0: you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you, invite you back, any opportunity that you have to be with us. Uh, if you are visiting, we would love it if you took out one of those cards that you see in front of you. Fill that out. There are two black boxes in the back of the auditorium. You can place those in either of those boxes, or you can give that card to me in the back after the service is over. That's just so we can express our appreciation for you being here with us this morning. Uh, this morning, I want to start off with a question, and I want you to be thinking about this question. I want you to ask this question to yourself as we go throughout this lesson this morning. What are you doing in your life right now that makes absolutely no sense to the world? What are you doing in your life right now that makes absolutely no sense to the world? What is it that you're doing that if people from the outside looked in at your life, at your actions, at your behaviors, at your speech, would say that makes absolutely no sense? Your answer to that question will help you to see if your life is characterized by biblical faith or not. You see, faith, as we've been talking about in this series in Hebrews 11, is a spiritual seeing of God's fingerprints in the world. It, it's a seeing of all the evidence that, that there is that points to the power and, and the wisdom of God. And it's a spiritual tasting of God's promises. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a tasting of a small piece, of a sliver of what is to come. And this spiritual seeing and this spiritual tasting, it leads one to do what seems absolutely crazy to those around them. That's faith. That's a description of biblical faith. Seeing God's fingerprints, tasting His promises, leading to actions that make no sense from an outsider's perspective. And a prime example of this kind of faith is Abraham, the patriarch. Abraham is the king of doing things that make absolutely no sense. Just remember within uh, the book of Genesis, he leaves the safety and security of his homeland. He travels to a distant country living as a stranger his entire life. He believes wholeheartedly that he's going to have a son when, when, when he and his wife are well past the age to bear children and, and, and then is willing to sacrifice that son as a burnt offering, all because God said so. What Abraham does makes absolutely no sense to the world around him, and that's why he's called in Scripture the man of faith faith does what seems crazy. It obeys though it may not fully understand. It holds on to promises with patience, with endurance. It believes the impossible, and it trusts that God is good all throughout. This morning, We're going to be looking at Abraham, the man of faith, that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. And as we open up the pages of Scripture and feast together, I want you to be asking yourself, like Abraham, what am I doing that makes no sense to the world? Open up your Bibles with me and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. Verse 8 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Now what's amazing here, and what the Hebrew author is trying to highlight, is the immediacy of Abraham's response in light of all that he had to lose in obeying God's call. In ancient antiquity and in, uh, in ancient Near Eastern culture, the significance of an inheritance, as we see within the text, cannot be overstated. What made receiving one's family inheritance in that day so significant wasn't just because of the financial gain. Or the accumulation of wealth that would be enjoyed upon one's reception of the inheritance. But rather, it was the transference of the father's honor to the son. Receiving an inheritance in that day wasn't just about money. It wasn't just about finances. It was more about honor. The son would receive the father's honor when he would receive isn't his inheritance, which was a very big deal in this day, in this culture. But what is absolutely amazing here, and what the Hebrew author wants us to see, is that this man, Abraham, he does something so abnormal, um, so contrary to the way that things are normally done, uh, so out of the ordinary. Something, he, he does something uh, that, that virtually no one would do in that day. He, here's what he does. He eschews his own father's inheritance. He, he deliberately gives it up. He throws it away. He throws away the honor of his father that would be his, that would be bestowed upon him, all because this God, whom he's never heard, never seen, tells him to. Remember in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the account of Abraham leaving his father in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham gave up a lot. He gave up a lot of stuff. He gives up his own father's inheritance. And the speed in which he does so is absolutely incredible. Abraham didn't hesitate. When he heard God's call, he didn't take the time to weigh his options and make the most reasonable choice possible, like he's buying a used car, taking his good old merry time, like Sid the sloth. He didn't say to himself, you know, hmm, let me see. Uh, sh- should I choose my father's inheritance, which I can see, which I know exactly what, the, what, what kind of inheritance I'm going to get, exactly what kind of honor is going to be bestowed upon me, or should I choose God's inheritance that I can't see, that's kind of vague, that's kind of unclear? No, that's not what he does. Immediately... Immediately, the text says, he forfeits his own father's inheritance, his father's honor, and he obeys the bare voice of God, trusting all the while that God would give him an inheritance and that God would give him honor. It's more explicit in the Greek. The Greek participle rendered called in verse 8 is in the present tense, which points to the immediacy of Abraham's obedience. Uh, One one commentator says this concerning Abraham's call when he heard the call from God. He says, Abraham obeyed the call of God while it was still sounding in his ears. That's biblical faith. That's that's, That's the faith that God wants us to have, a faith that trusts God so deeply and is so convicted that he gives nothing but good things to his children, those that love him, an inheritance and an honor that vastly outweighs any other that it obeys when he calls, even if the call is kind of vague, even if the call is unclear and uncertain, even if the call leads you through the dark where you can't see clearly the eternal riches that will be yours within the future. Abraham here, he had no idea where he was going or what God was ultimately up to. That's what the verse says in verse 8 of Hebrews 11. But he trusted God so deeply that he didn't even consider the thought of not obeying Him, but immediately, immediately responded to the call. That's faith. That's what faith looks like in action. Paraphrasing the theologian Martin Luther, he says, biblical faith means having no idea where we're going, what we're doing, or why we're suffering, but still following the bare voice of God and allowing it to lead and drive us. Embracing this kind of faith, it's going to make you look really weird (laughs) to the world around you. Just imagine Terah's response, Abraham's father when when A, when, A, when Abraham told him about God's call. You're doing what? You're you're going where? You're following who? It's weird. It's weird to remain sexually pure and save yourself for marriage in the context that we live in today. It's weird. It's unusual. It's out of the norm to give a good portion of your hard-earned money to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's weird. It's unusual. It's something that's not normally done to love your enemies and to do good to people that bring you harm. But it's when the world sees you as weird that you know you're truly living by faith. If the world doesn't see you as as weird or as abnormal or as a peculiar person, then you're probably not embracing this kind of Abrahamic faith that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. But the promise of God is that when we live by faith, When we do things that seem crazy, abnormal to the world, we have the promise of God that we're never alone in those endeavors. You have a God that walks with you and makes you lie down in green pastures, leads you beside still waters, and restores your soul all the way through. That's what faith does. That's what faith is. Faith obeys, though it may not fully understand in the moment though it can't see clearly the details of the journey, though it walks in darkness sometimes, all because it's deeply confident, convicted in the God who calls and leads through the fog of the unseen. Now let's look at a second aspect of faith, second example that we see through Abraham in verse 9. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. Reading verse 9, first first of all. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So Abraham here, led by faith, led by his confidence in the God of heaven, he journeys uh, to this promised land fully expecting that God is going to uh, deliver the promise and that that promise is going to be beyond his wildest expectations and dreams. But when he finally got there, what happened? (laughs) What does the the text say here? There was no yellow brick road leading to the Emerald City with Abraham's name carved in it. There, There was... There was no mansion on a hilltop when he arrives at the promised land uh, with, with servants and butlers just waiting to pamper and spoil uh, Abraham whenever he arrived. Uh, there, there was nothing there that came close to the kind of inheritance that Abraham would have received if he stayed with his father. When he arrived to this so called land of promise, he was nothing but a foreigner. He was nothing but a stranger, a visiting traveler on somebody else's land. The only greeting that he probably received was, Hey, get off my lawn, you trespasser. Probably not, but you get the idea. In fact, at the time of his death, his, his only possession in the land of promise was, was the plot of ground that kept the bones of his wife. In Genesis chapter 23, verse 20, It says, the field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. Abraham lived as a foreigner in his own land of promise, living, as the text says in Hebrews chapter 11, living in tents. Now, we know a tent is not a permanent structure. It's not something that's intended to be there uh, for, for a long period of time. A tent is temporary. One who owns a piece of property and, des- and desires to dwell on it permanently doesn't set up a tent and live there uh, for a long duration of time. They build a building. They build a permanent structure. Abraham here had been led by God all this way, all this way, to live in a tent A temporary dwelling in a place that was not his own until the day that he died. And the only piece of property that he actually owned while he was alive was his grave. Abraham, he could have, he could have easily felt like he was tricked, like he was deceived by hearing the call of God and obeying it. Have you ever fell for a scam before? Unfortunately, I have it's a horrible feeling. Whenever you fall for something that's not true, you feel tricked. You feel duped. You feel humiliated. You say, you say to yourself when you're deceived, how in the world could I have fallen for something like that? How, how, could, how, how could I give in to, 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 to something like that? Abraham could have easily, could have very easily, when all of this was occurring, He could have very easily said to God, God, hello, you remember me? You remember your promised one, Abraham? I don't think you do because I see no inheritance. I see no honor. I see no hint that you're actually going to fulfill your promise. We may be tempted at times to feel this way when we go through things, uh, when things go awry, maybe, in our life, when all of our circumstances don't seem to match what we are expecting, when all the promises that God makes just seem to fall flat on their face, and we feel cheated. We feel deceived. We feel tricked. Abraham could have felt very well. He very well could have felt that way, but Notice Abraham's attitude uh, throughout this whole scenario—the man of faith. In Hebrews chapter eleven, verse ten, look in verse ten. For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham said, "I don't know how." I don't know when, but God is going to fulfill every promise that he makes, even if it's beyond my lifetime. Though I have no permanent home here, I know, I know that I'm not going to be living in a tent forever. I know that my permanent dwelling will be in a city A city with foundations whose designer and builder is God Himself. Brothers and sisters, that's faith. That's biblical faith. Faith holds on to God's promises with patience, with endurance, and believes wholeheartedly that even though we die, God remains faithful. He won't abandon me. He won't forget me. He'll lead me out of my tent of shame into a permanent city with foundations that God himself has designed. The Hebrew author says in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles here on the earth we're exiles brothers and sisters we're exiles here on this earth we are exiles and strangers in the united states of america and we need to see ourselves as such we believe that god's ultimate promises will be fulfilled though not here not while we live. If we get too cozy here, which we often do sometimes, without realizing it, maybe, then we're going to be overwhelmed with excessive and unnecessary sorrow as we continue to see this world sink farther into the depths of depravity. But if the eyes of our hearts are set on the things above where Christ Jesus is seated, though this world descends into darkness, we can still be a people marked by joy, knowing that our city with foundations is with the living God in another place. The world, if you embrace that kind of mentality, the world's going to think you're absolutely crazy. If you live with that kind of patient, enduring faith, but what the world can't see, what we can see through our spiritual sight and through our spiritual tasting of what God has promised is the beauty and glory of what is to come. And we see that by faith. Faith holds on to God's promises with patience and with endurance. Lastly this morning, as we close, I want to look at verses 11 and 12 of Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 says, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful to who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now you might be thinking, you might be recalling to yourself the story. Uh, you might be thinking, well, didn't, didn't Sarah laugh uh, when, when God declared uh, that she would have a child at really old age, at 90? Uh, yeah, she did. Uh, she, she laughed. she displayed initial doubt. Um, she, like all of these heroes of faith uh, that, that were that, that we 're talking about, had flaws uh, and, and had had shortcomings. But the author here doesn 't want us to focus on sarah 's initial doubt, rather the faith that she later embraced the words I believe Sarah herself in the text, as we see in verse eleven suggests that her faith won out over her initial unbelief. And this faith that God would give them a child at such an old age was a faith that Abraham shared as well. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20 through 21, Paul says, "...no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God," Abraham. "...but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God," fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do something impossible. Not based on the promise's reliability. Uh, this, this, This promise that God made... Had an absolute zero chance of actually coming true because someone that old old, can't possibly have a baby. But Abraham was fully convinced that the impossible would come about based upon the reliability of the one who made the promise. It's absolutely impossible. It's impossible. For a ragtag army to march around a fortified city's walls, blow trumpets, shout, and then all of a sudden the massive walls just fall down. It's absolutely impossible for the earth to stop its rotation, making the sun stand still in the sky, and then just begin again like nothing happened. It's absolutely impossible for a donkey to just start talking and carry on a conversation with you. It's absolutely impossible for a man to be swallowed by a fish and remain alive for three days and three nights and live to tell the tale. It's absolutely impossible for a man to die and then come back to life and rise from the grave. Impossible. Impossible. Zero probability of those things actually happening, unless God is really who He says that He is. And you can believe that He is because He has never broken a single promise that He has made. Biblical faith believes the impossible. It believes impossible promises, not based upon their probability. You'll you'll never be fully convinced, like Abraham, if you place your confidence in the likelihood of the promises from above being fulfilled. However, you can live fully confident, fully convicted that all of the promises of God are a solid and sure yes and amen if you, like Abraham and Sarah within this text, consider him who is all-powerful and all-loving, faithful to each and every one of his promises. To a world that can't see what we see, that's insane. (laughs) That's crazy, But it makes all the sense in the world as you fix your eyes on this all-powerful and all-loving God who is faithful in all things. Faith believes in possible promises because of the reliability of our promise maker. This kind of faith, a faith that has spiritual sight of God's fingerprints, of the evidence, and and a kind of faith that, that tastes the sweetness of God's promises, leading it to obey though it can't see, causing it to trust with patient endurance, and prompting it to believe the impossible because of the faithfulness of Him who promises. That kind of faith is pleasing to God. In verse 16 of Hebrews 11, as we close... It says, "But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Brothers and sisters, when you live by faith, when you live in this way, uh, this embrace this same kind of faith that Abraham. Had within with, that we see within scripture, God declares to you that He is not ashamed to be called your God. Back to the question what am I doing that seems to make no sense to the world around me? Am I living by faith? Uh, am I doing what seems crazy to the world? If you aren't this morning, then there's no better time to start than right now. This morning, if you have any need, if you wish to embrace Christ um, in uh, repentance, confession, faith, and baptism, uh, then the opportunity is yours this morning as we stand and as we sing.